0: There he is. How's it going? I'm good. How you been, my friend?
1: I'm good. I just got my son to take his afternoon nap, and now it's my solo time of the day, which is nice.
0: Are you on full daddy duty these days? So I just realized there's a lot of Ds in your life. Your, your, your daddy duty, da, Damien daddy duty diesel board, the destroyer. I realized that just before I came on. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I'm on I'm on full time dad duty five days a week during the day while my girlfriend's at work. She's a chef at Roberta's this restaurant in town. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, from like eight until five thirty every day, I am full time uh, Mr. Mom. It's been a very uh, enlightening experience.
0: How old is your son? He's gonna be two on July fourth. All right, so you're really in the thick of it. I mean, I'm I have two kids, five and. And eight and a half and i would say where you are is like two to three and a half it's just destroyingly hard because yeah he's hyper i mean he's very energetic
1: boy he's luckily he's a good kid he's super sweet but uh he is high energy and he's super fast he can go from one end of the apartment (laughs) to the other (laughs) two seconds like the fucking flash in here uh but it's it's yeah it's cool I'm, i'm glad that i'm here for this um Part of me misses my free time, but I know that I'll look back on this part of my life and be grateful that I had the opportunity to spend it with him. Um,
0: it's, it's been it's been fun. I think having kids has made the quarantine for my family as enjoyable because I got to see, you get to spend this much deeper pe- period of time with them, right? Because you know the kids can't go to school, so you're dealing with them on the computers, doing all that stuff. And then, but it's also even harder because you're you're never getting a break. So, you know, I think for a lot of people with kids, it's been a dual-edged sword.
1: Yeah, I mean, my experience, you know, I never knew what it was going to be like to be a parent. I always kind of had my. Like just had wonders. that it, it was going to be very difficult. And what I've found with my son is that I don't find parenting difficult at all, actually. But you have to fully be committed to doing it. If you're if you're in the moment and you're there for it, it's parenting's actually. If, you're, if you have a good kid, it's not hard at all. The only thing I miss is just I have so many creative outlets and things that I want to do, and my time is so limited. By the time that I actually get my free time, I'm usually so wiped that sometimes I will just like <clears throat> watch a show on Netflix or something just to kind of decompress. <laughs> I like, mean, you're like, you're on being a parent, and then it's like to jump right into like fucking work immediately is like sometimes it's a bit hard to deal with. So
0: I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, <clears throat> what did what parenting did for me when my son was born is it made all the white noise of life simmer down no things became much less important there were these things i didn't feel like i was missing anymore um and um you know it didn't i was able to really just take my working time as serious working time and just like you like my wife and i maybe we have an, an hour at night that we have to ourselves that we watch a television show and chill out i don't have a lot of extra hobbies now like like you i cook so that's another outlet for me yeah um but yeah, I think that's what happens in life is that your time gets taken up by little people. The yeah. other part of that also is like, um, I find the hard part about parenting is not the child. It's, the, it's your need to move at a faster pace or at a pace that doesn't align with a, a child. So you need to be somewhere, but you didn't give yourself enough time. So instead of acknowledging that you, it's really your issue that you didn't spend enough time, you know what I mean? Give the child enough time or there wasn't enough time. Sure, They just don't move at the rate that you want them to move and that can become frustrating. And those are those little bumps and things when you get used to that and you're like, you know what? It's, it's easier. I
1: mean, I'm looking forward to the time, I mean, he's so young. I'm looking forward to the time where I can actually really show him things and he is fully able to invest in these things. Like I recently I've been showing him drumming videos on YouTube. And so me and my lady set up the, like this kind of uh, drum kid. You can kind of see his, his right here is like bowls and like, I love it. Shoes and stuff, <laughs> but like he's always going drums, drums, and he, like he's playing on drums, which is cool. But like I want to get to a point where I can really show him stuff. Like I I want to be able to cook with him and do these sorts of things because right now I'm still kind of in that zone of he's kind of still a baby. So
0: yeah, you got you're just playing bumper bumper daddy, you're just keeping him from getting hurt and just steering. Like I know that yeah. Yeah. My but my favorite part was when my son could oh I could have a catch with him. I never thought that, that would be such an enjoyable moment, but like that to be able to like actively do something, you know what I mean? As simple as having a catch with your kid is 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 pretty amazing. Yeah. When they get I, to that level.
1: I have a friend that has a kid who's a little bit older than my son and when he got when he, he hit texted me like a while back, he's like, Man, my son and I played catch today and it was like so cool and I was oh really like it didn't really register but now I I get it I'm I look forward to that day for
0: you know my thing now with my son who who he, we play chess oh. and when I start when we started in his school every kid starts out playing chess i forget like maybe you start in kindergarten or first grade and you play maybe you start in kindergarten yeah everyone plays chess but then he became part of like the chess club and we started playing you know i would beat him Pretty much, not, you know, 99 out of 100 times because he would get very distracted, especially with the age that he was at. Now he's eight and it's a half, and it's a, I'm hard-pressed to beat him Wow! because, you know, young people… Like sponges. Well, they, they're sponges, and also, you know, if you, if I never, I didn't play chess when I was a child, so it's amazing to see his brain work and to see him outfoxing me, and to see him, I can see, I, can, I know the moment he knows three moves ahead of me, and it's painful. Because then I have to be like, All right, he, already, he already knows, he knows that, is he suckering me in? And he's good. And and, my, and a lot of adults that we know play him, like he's online playing. And I, one of the things we would do when we would go to parties when he was young is we would bring him in his portable chessboard, and my friends would play him. You know, like we'd be having like a an afternoon brunch party somewhere, and you know, kids, a lot of my friends were single, and so my people who don't have kids, but they would be totally entertained playing chess, you know, with a six-year-old yeah. and getting
1: slaughtered. <laughs> I, mean, I look forward to my son getting to that point of his life so we can do stuff like that. That sounds...
0: I mean, helpful. I know you're a super bright guy. I remember Eric Silver used to always talk about how how insanely bright you are. And I know I've known you for a long time. I know it's a, I know it's a weird thing to say, but like those kinds of cerebral things with your child become much more poignant because you're like, it's not just my thing in my head, it's now watching this other person take something that I've done and do it better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope to be able to, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't, my parents didn't show me a lot of stuff in life as far as like cool shit, art, cultures, things like that. And I feel that, I grew up in small towns as well, so I had a pretty sheltered existence growing up, but throughout life, you know, I've managed to expose myself to so much cool stuff out there. And I look forward to, tr- you know, hopefully transmitting that to him and seeing him grow and him kind of like get excited and kind of go into these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be cool when that happens.
0: Yeah. Are you in Williamsburg still or where are you now? I live in the heart of Bushwick. You're in Bushwick. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I saw you was I ran into you on in, in the streets of Williamsburg.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It might have it, it been outside of that diner. What was that? Miss Williamsburg? Is that that diner there?
1: Yes. Um, was, I think. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, yeah, I moved out of uh, Williamsburg maybe like five years ago. Yeah. So i like, definitely, I, that was a bit of Bushwick close to Williamsburg, and now I'm like fully in Bushwick, so. Well, yeah, that's right. The, lots of fireworks tonight out here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got, mu- got the mustache to be in Bushwick, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I got I my, see it. I mullet. see it. You have the, you have the uniform going. It's good. It looks good on you.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, having a mustache and mullet combo really bestows a lot of power on the individual. So I'm feeling empowered out here with this, with this kind of redneck vibe. Um, I'm actually as long as you face.
0: don't start wearing, you know, Union Jack flags and all that stuff. You know, it's That's not me. That's I know, me. I know, I know.
1: I'm actually <laughs> getting a haircut on Sunday, so I'm very excited because I've not had a haircut in like three months, and I feel, I feel wooly we'll at this point <sighs> i
0: can't i can't say that i'm actually now a hairdresser as well I, I do my son's hair i learned how to give like a number two skin fade i cut my daughter's hair the other day i cut the neighbor's hair i'm like full on i have so many side hustles you have no idea but you cut hair
1: or do you just use the clippers
0: no i cut it so what i do is like he likes it short you know like the fade on the sides and then i and then i actually do the you know the proper cutting the hair on the top I'm not. I'm not. am not by any means a professional. It's just what I'm doing at this point.
1: I used to cut my friends hair in high school. I was like the the group haircut guy. I gave everyone cool haircuts back in where I went to this tiny ass town. And I went to high school in this tiny town, and uh, I got pretty good at the clippers. Not so much the scissors, but
0: okay. yeah. You're not giving haircuts right now. You haven't given your son a haircut. He's got his haircut, but not by me. We live
1: above or next door to a barbershop, so um, like a like a neighborhood barbershop. And yeah. he's gone there a few times. And they they cleaned him up. They give him like the little spike here on the side, so they give him the uh, the Bushwick, the Bushwick Baricula haircut. It looks good, but he how right how's has his-
0: it been in Bushwick with people quarantining? I heard people are kind of. Like, it's like mixed. You know, sometimes it's people are taking it seriously, and some people aren't taking it seriously at all.
1: Um, in my neighborhood. It's a lot of people take it seriously, but I've walked around a bit. I, I, I get out of the house a bit just to take walks because I feel cooped up <clears throat> all day. And uh, definitely, like, like, there's a place called Maria Hernandez Park nearby, and, like, on the weekends, it's fucking – it's insane. I mean, it's packed with people, volleyball, and barely anyone's wearing masks. I, it's like that in Williamsburg a lot. When I, Whenever I go to Williamsburg, just kind of walk around. I feel like it's a different – I think – That Williamsburg vibe is like people feel fucking like the rules don't apply to them or entitled. It's like a different vibe out here. More people in my neighborhood kind of stick by the rules or whatever. They wear masks, try to be safe. Um, Yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of fireworks out here. There was last night, it was like two in the morning. Some asshole was setting off like gigantic fireworks like a block away. Now, I might want to wake up my, my son, but I was tempted to run outside and, like, see what's going on. Cause I'm sure it was just like one dickhead on the street just shoot them off. And like, I live in a residential neighborhood. So it's like, what are you thinking, dude?
0: It's yeah, I fun. mean, I, I've got I've all over the country. People are talking about how insane the fireworks are. And the the what I'm gathering and this isn't like um not trying to be. Uh, what's the word? I'm not trying to make up some, you know, urban r- uh, rumor or whatever, but it's two things are happening. A, all of the fireworks that the cruise lines and all these other places like Disneyland and these these high-end fireworks that usually get taken, you know, bought by these, you know, controlled professional environments have somehow made their way because th- those places aren't shooting off fireworks, they're not buying the fireworks. Right. Have made their way to the streets and you know, fireworks that were never on our streets before are available. And then the other part of it is that people are talking about that they're giving them away for free. That people are rolling in with vans of fireworks and disrupting neighborhoods like literally just giving kids tons of fireworks. Well, isn't, the, isn't the
1: theory that it's the cops that are doing it to kind of like disrupt people's sleep schedules so that they don't want to go protest?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the theory. It's like an anti-Black Lives, anti you know mm. um, thing campaign. And I don't I don't know about that part but I do know that I know people personally who have asked kids where they're getting their fireworks from. I mean, things that they couldn't afford. I mean, it's, you know, like massive mortar shells. Right. You know, and they're saying, you know, yeah, this guy came with a van and gave it to us. A white guy came with a van, and gave it to us. I'm, I live in Harlem. I'm not in Harlem now. but That's like what's going on in Harlem. They're literally shooting off, you know, eight inch mortars in Harlem. Yeah. I mean, the guy last night, a block away,
1: like it was gigantic explosion in the sky like multicolored fireworks like it was big it was like, <laughs> at two in the morning in front of like a row of houses it was fucking
0: ridiculous was that's ridiculous. what it seems to be happening between like w- like it's one and f- five right i mean I don't, i'm not there so i can't say but i'm you know like i'm getting a lot of the information I, I stay up on all that i watch social media and i'm you know checking feeds to see when you know people are complaining about those times is it all day long for you or is it no, it's just
1: a night. I mean, they start up around as the sun goes down, and then you just hear it, and it's a lot. And then, then the night before that, I was looking out my other window, another block away, and then it was like crazy shit. But that was around midnight. It's just weird. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me so much. But because I have, a, you know, my son is so young, they go off. I'm just worried he's going to wake up. So it's annoying. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Who knows?
0: Yeah. I get, worried, I get worried, well, you know, the, 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 the M eighties and stuff in the middle of the night are not helpful. I've had that, you know, in the middle of the night before. And where I live, I've, people have actually gotten shot. So, that you, you have this visceral, you know, reaction to, like, was that gunfire? Like, you're sleeping, and then this massive explosion happens, or, you know, a bunch of explosions happen. You're like, oh, I hope someone didn't get shot. And then you kind of wake up and think about that and then go back to sleep. But let's talk about cooking, man. Sure. I, one one of the things I you know years ago I don't even remember uh, social media has been great for for me with that um, I, I you know I noticed you start posting a lot of really nice meals and then of course I just thought you were taking you know like every DJ on tour is taking a picture of the nice meals that they're having mm-hmm. but you're you're a full on chef you're into it and is that because your girlfriend is a chef you know into it or she's is she a chef you say she's a chef Roberta
1: she's a professional chef she's Badass chef. I mean, she's no joke. um I'm actually. So here's my vibe. It's like I don't call myself chef. I feel like chef is an earned title. I, I'm a home cook, very ambitious home cook. But I feel like chef is like
0: someone calling themselves a fucking DJ, and then they <laughs> and they don't know how to DJ. It's I would like, say that's a professional it. chef. That's the only difference. I, I would. Say, I, yeah. Chef is not a good word. You're you're. You are an excellent cook. I do take my shit seriously. I mean, but it's like how I take anything. If, if I'm really
1: into something, I, you know, I, I fucking study up on it. So years ago, I got into cooking. I was on vacation and I was bored and I there were some cookbooks laying around. I looked at them. And I was like, this food looks good why can't I make this food? I should go make it. I have nothing else to do. So that kind of set me on my journey of cook of beginning to food. And then I realized that I could use my DJ tour schedule as a way to hit up restaurants in different parts of the country and explore that. And then, I was you know, reading at one point like 20 food blogs every day. I had a subscription to every food magazine. I was probably watching <laughs> it. I was t probably about 40 hours of food videos <laughs> a week. I was like going to restaurants. I was like meeting the chefs, hanging out with like all these people and food and in the cocktail industry and just kind of went all the way into it. And then – got to the point where i was doing food pop-ups and food collabs and i was like writing for food uh i was writing for like first week feast who does hot ones i really got all the way into it and then i met my girlfriend while prepping for a nacho battle for first week feast against my uh, professional chef my friend alex Stupak. um but what's cool is because i'm so into cooking like I can relate to her, and we could talk about food all day. We get to, she you know, talks about what her days like at work. We talk about like dishes she's working on, and I kind of like give my input, probably to a very annoying level. She, I, I know I annoy the shit out of her. I'm always giving her my feedback on stuff. <laughs> I can't help myself.
0: Uh, but she, she knows uh, what yeah. she got into, and she's. I mean, she's your girlfriend. She knows what you're like. I mean, this is oh, not. This is not. You're spectrum. like this with everything, aren't you? <laughs> Uh things that I'm
1: into. I mean, yeah, if I'm into something I try to get all the way into it. So I just take you know, I feel like if you if you love something or if you're into it, why not try to really learn about what you're into? That's what I used to always I I remember I'd know some DJs back in the day, in the vinyl days uh, I can remember my friend Lonnie Fisher used to throw, he used to do Ultra World and and Baltimore. He was DJing, and we would be talking about records. And I was like, what, what, "What record is that?" He's like, "I don't know. It's the one with the purple label." And I was like, "What? Like, how do you not know the name of your record or who the artist is or whatever?" I mean, I used to, I used to be so in my record collection that I could have someone take by random a record out of my collection of like a thousand, two thousand records, play, put on, the, put on the put the record on, drop the needle for one second, and I can tell you. The year it came out, the artist, the label, the, everything. Yeah, came out.
0: yeah, you have a mathematic mind. I mean, I do too. The funny, it's funny that you bring up bring that up because I actually would spin my records the way Lonnie did, and I played for. I think I played for Lonnie in, in Detroit as well. Um, I knew the artists and stuff that I when I would dig and find drum and bass records that I liked. You know, I went through that process, mm-hmm. right? But then when they were in my bag and, you know, you play a lot and we would, I go through records pretty quickly. You know what I mean? I wasn't like a long, like it's, you know, I was always a fast kind of paced DJ. Um, The colors and the pictures on the records are what my mind would would cue into. And so if I was on tour for a long time and, you know, back then you were carrying 50 to 250 records depending on how long you were touring, you know, it would be like a pictorial for me, almost like people do... Because my mind is also mathematical, but what what you know patterns start to emerge in my head. So instead of memorizing, you know, knowing the names and who the, who did this and what mix with this. Also, the other thing was a lot of it was white labels. Sure. So what what I would do is I would draw things on the white label so that I wouldn't get confused. You know, especially in the dark club. You know, like how you can some back in the day when, when we were doing it wasn't like nice DJ booth because everywhere you went it was a shithole. Yeah. So. You know, I'd be like on stage, couldn't he, couldn't see anything, but I could see my little picture drawn with a sharpie, and I'm like, oh, I know that record. Okay, I knew what that one. You know, and I put a dot if I was if the good track was on the other side.
1: I, I I did yeah the dot thing I did. I I was just always up on remembering records. I mean, I sometimes I have a good memory for certain things. Some I mean, back in the day, I was really good about remembering all of the, my music. Now it's like. I don't know, my mind kind of decides what it wants to remember. I'll remember the dumbest shit, but then fucking forget important stuff all the time. My birthdays, I'm terrible with birthdays. Uh, Yeah, I'm terrible
0: with birthdays, too, with my family's birthdays. I think that's also, when you have kids, your mind sort of, something happens to your brain a little bit. I don't have, my. it's funny, I don't hold on to things that I don't think are, like, if my mind doesn't think they're important, it just says, oh, you can just learn that really quickly anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it just it just goes through my it goes you know it goes through the thing. The one thing I do wish because at some point I got rid of all of my records is that I did know if I could remember all of those artists that I really love certain joints and then be able to go find digital versions of that. Now I don't even know if half the music I if I had back then even exists digitally. It's
1: probably but. not. It's when I started digging around for old school records. Old school meaning ninety seven to two thousand eight. I mean yeah. older stuff like for like sets like throwback sets it was hard to find a lot of stuff digital and I would have to for some artists I'd have to hit hit up the original artist and be like do you ha- happen to have this on your computer and a lot of these guys wouldn't even have the track anymore so if there's certain tracks that are just kind of lost what lost meaning the original files are yeah lost, 100% you have to rip them off vinyl which is not ideal but um yeah there's a lot of old music that is vinyl only that are it's never gonna never gonna come out on. i, I
0: even hit up what's the i forget the guy's name danny who r- ran suburban Base, and he gave he me, me the. F- yeah he gave me the full we were gonna do a project together like a whole remix thing and he gave me the entire suburban Base catalog digital and it didn't It still didn't have a lot of the cuts that i was really hoping would be in there mm-hmm. you know what i mean i was like i was like hoping that this was the mother load and i was about to be reunited with all the subplates and all this you know suburban Base. and i was like but there was a lot of stuff missing, and he was like, "Yo, some of it we just all DAT tapes never made it to mm-hmm. a digital format." It's 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 cool and it's not cool. Um, I was talking about this a little bit with DJ Soul, with you know, uh, about that special time, you know, just having those records and playing that music, and somehow it's kind of just gone into the ethers at this point. Someone has it, but
1: yeah, I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm a man of convenience, so I appreciate being able to find stuff nowadays pretty easily online but like there's something to be said absolutely for the days of finite music where there's only x amount of copies so only x amount of people have it and it made everyone's sets completely different from one another's because now when there's infinite copies of every track that comes out it's like it's really hard to set yourself apart from other DJs because everyone has the hottest shit and especially now with the promo scene like the dubplate scene is pretty much dead i'm on a i'm on a dubplate dub play twitter group with like uh like noisia and uh tb and matthews all these people and um even then i get tracked maybe sometimes like a couple of days before it comes out and so when a track comes out and i'm on the road djing back when i was on the road djing um you know the local dj before me would be playing like all the all the brand new stuff that came out and that stuff that i literally got that week as well so it makes it's made my job harder because ev- everyone has the same fucking brand new tracks, and it's it's just a different scene. I do miss where you have to fight for records, and you have to build a relationship with a record store owner, and <laughs> yeah, really stay on top of it. It was you know, and or you'd sit on a and some messenger all day and like bug people for tracks. I mean, I used to be on AOL and some messenger all day for like ten hours a day. That was like a whole scene for years, and everyone would sit there and like have conversations, and you'd basically like get tracks of people and, and what you would do is you it was funny i would wait in front at the weekend and i would wait until it was like 3 a.m uk time and then i would hit up those people they'd got back from the club dj and they'd be on a one and they'd be drunk and they were way more willing to part with tracks that they would not be <laughs> you know they that's funny because a
0: lot of people tell me the same kind of thing it was like you, you know that late night Hitting up, hitting up somebody you know, and then you know somebody who might not even want to talk to The next thing you know, you've got like you know the whole catalog because they're just like, ah, I need like this whole thing, you yeah. know.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I would – well, I used to see UK DJs that come over here and DJ, and, and you'd be like, hey, man, you don't, you don't give me shit, da, 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 and they're like, oh, mate, I'll sort you out, and they're like hammered. I'll sort you out, and they go home, you never – they don't say Never hear shit. from you again, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you, but if you manage to catch them on AWOL and some messenger, it's three in the morning, there are times that you got them. You got them right in your sights. So you could get the tunes you wanted. But that whole scene is gone. I mean, it's just – there's – it's a bummer i mean there's just something to be said for that for that era and it's never going to come back it's just the way it is so
0: yeah i mean i think we all have our we all have our poignant moments in how we got into electronic music and whatever it is that we're doing i think you know i i i too would go to breakbeat science and they would you know i pull i love pulling a huge wad of records and go through and find my you know what i mean find my cuts and all that and right. have, you know, get those limited white labels and then get dub plates from people and all that. But I was also more, I also really enjoyed um, the di- when digital technology came in where I could just immediately make edits in my DAW and be like, you know what? I love this track, mm-hmm. but it's not produced the way that I want to play it. It's hard to play this track. I don't like how the format of this track. And Fred and I would just start making edits of music. As soon as, like We liked a section of a tune, but the rest of it was crap. That section sure. became a tune. We were like, that's going to be a dope thing, and then we would add an acapella and do all these other things. So, the, the the leap from the vinyl to digital world in a lot of ways cured a lot of ills for us as as performers and as DJs, um, because you could now not worry about some of the mechanics of the of the you know the analog world and just go into this sort of digital format that you could you could count on a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I've um, I, I made edits myself, not. But I never really made that many I, I yeah it's funny I go back and listen to like old records that have these two minute fucking intros and then it's it's so minimal and I'm like, damn I used to fucking play the track and this track used to get such a good response but it's just because I feel like cool people, people had less Popcorn brain back then? Yes, 100%. So, so there, you could catch the groove and you could kind of get this headier space. Now there's a built in expectation of like ADD where you want to have this, the set constantly changing, this, this, and that. And it's like,
0: yeah. You know where I find the, the middle ground? So, so I'm not, you know, I've been in the house world since 2006. I left the hip hop drum and bass thing in terms of being an artist and i just been doing house music since 2006. So the, mm-hmm. there's a different. It's a different flow, I think, than what, you know what I mean? Hip-hop and sure. drum and bass were very ADD and very facets. You know, it's was like, in terms of just how fast you have to go through stuff. But I still find the same thing in house music, where I find it more relaxing is when I do my radio show, and I can, do lo- I can play the tracks for much longer. And just, you know, I'm really just, I'm exposing, I'm selecting music for people to listen to. But live, I still find myself banging through tracks, because you just, uh-huh. it's this feeling of the energy in the crowd. That you, you know, you want to play something for longer, but you know it's just not doing anybody, it's not what people want at that moment, and you feel that pull to change the record, which is a weird thing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I feel, especially now that I'm on four decks, and I'm and the way the music is constructed, I play a lot of tracks, I feel I like have kind of, like, poisoned myself in a way of, like, that's what I now feel compelled to deliver when I DJ, so when I started playing house music, I started doing a, a I have a house alter ego named Halen, which is also my son's middle name. Um, but when I started doing house sets, I played on three decks, and it's like I don't let the tracks ride in either because I want to keep hitting people with like you know more and more <laughs> hot shit, getting through as many tracks as I can, as many moods as I can get through. But I romanticize the idea of the long mix and like building a groove. But I, I feel like there's a voice in the back of my head that says people aren't, they're not. It's like there's this fantasy that they're going to be programmed and locked into what you're doing if you do that. But there's this fear that they're actually not, that you're not going to capture their attention like that. So you kind of have to keep hitting them with like as many tracks as you can. So, yeah, I've definitely kind of been poisoned in that way. It's I just like to play too many tracks now.
0: I saw some people post a couple of questions. Someone wrote, who, who, who created the double drop? I mean, I don't know who created it.
1: Uh, I feel that Andy C is known as...
0: Like the, the double drop, it. yeah.
1: He's the double drop guy, but I mean, I don't know who created it. I, I've been doing it for a long time, um, but Andy gets a lot of the credit for that, so I, I would say Andy C probably, yeah.
0: Not Andy so. C, the the the, you know, it always hailed as the best Roman based DJ. Mm-hmm. I don't. I know. Uh, I, 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 I I've, you know the reverence I feel like. I feel like DJing isn't supposed to be about being the best. It's about the experience that you have when you're there in the club. Well, people, it's really hard, you know.
1: People want quanti- to People always need to quantify everything. My feeling about Andy being the best is, um, first off, I think there's levels of DJing. I feel like Andy C is definitely the top level, top shelf DJ. Um, but every DJ has good nights and bad nights. I've had nights where I feel hands down. I've, I've had sets where I feel hands down could go up against any the best drum based dj sets and it would it's comparable hands down i've had other nights where it just didn't click and it was yeah maybe for the average person they'd be like oh it sounds pretty good i've actually seen my worst sets people come up to me years later be like that was like the best set you've ever played and i'm like remembering it was a fucking terrible
0: set <laughs> <laughs> me. well it felt terrible for you i've had that same experience you're like god i just barely made through that set and then someone was like that was brilliant and you like Yeah,
1: I mean but, but see I I know I always know when it's clicking.
0: But yeah, Andy C is an incredible DJ. He I'll,
1: Here's what I, here's what I give Andy credit for. He is extremely consistent with his sets and he knows his music front to back. You can tell listening to him that he knows his tracks the weather with when they're going to drop the timing the programming and he's very good at combining tracks together that complement each other i mean those are all i mean i look up i look up to him as a peer because he he i look to him as like i have a similar style of djing as he does so i always look to him to see what he's doing and he's just a fucking very consistent dj um he plays music a lot of music that i wouldn't play some stuff that's a little too commercial for me i tend to play harder but I have enough respect for that dude. He's it's he's he, I put him up there with um, I consider like Andy um, Friction AMC um, as like the guys, and mm. I would like to consider myself part of that group of DJs. Because um, again, I'm I don't blow smoke up my ass. It's like I, I I'm, I'm here. I hear my sets that I play, and I'm like, yeah. On oh, my good nights, I'm like, yeah. I'm up there. That is as is good as I can get it. So,
0: I mean, I, I, I mean, I just I consider you to be an American mainstay for drum and bass, and I don't, I don't have never heard anyone t- tell me you've done a bad set. So, you know, it, it's funny because I feel like being an American, the skills and the selections and the and the thought processes get passed by a lot as a DJ. If you're, you know, like, drum so, and bass is something UK based that I think people really feel strongly to try to hold on to that to that thing but there have been a lot of solid american drum and bass djs you know and guys from new york guys from la that i feel like never got any of their due um but you know i digress craze is a great dj all, all around too and i love that he's still th- swinging the drum and bass here and there
1: so craze craze is a craze is hands out fucking insanely talented dj my feeling about craze and drum and bass is he's a great drum and bass dj but his style of dj drum and bass he brings uh, more of a hip hop yeah. style to it. I like. a more of like a mix, like a long mix. Well, long, yeah, 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 totally. Mix. And 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 Craze is really good at like the kind of hip hop style, like ch- out and these sorts of things. Yeah, that's why I like the, the DJs I rattled off, like the AMC and Andy and what. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: They are that style of DJ. So that's just my personal taste and and what I think what I want drum based DJs to do for me um but craze is a fucking incredible dj he's on another level hands down
0: yeah you know other other djs that i I really not in the drum and bass scene but like Vin Rock and apollo i learned so much from those guys being on tour with them with with track selection and cutting and and being able to move a crowd and not being afraid to play a commercial track um you know because there's that thing with where when you play underground music sometimes the the commercial tracks do feel funny. But if you find a way of playing them in your own style, that's something I learned from them. I was like, oh yeah, you can play that record, even though it seems cheesy. But if you play it at the right time at the right place, it's the best record ever.
1: That's, that's the way it is. You have to like, you have to DJ with confidence and you have to play stuff. There's just times, I, I remember I ended a set of mine at Pittsburgh at a rave. I played MC Hammer, Turn This Mother Out. Yeah. And I was, because before the show, I'm like, I'm like I'm gonna play this record. I'm like I am confident in this record. It's not rave music. I know it's gonna go off, and I played it. And people are doing the fucking Running Man all through the crowd. People are going off, and I dropped an air raid siren sample over top of it just to kind of ramp it up a notch. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was confident. I played it, and it it did the (laughs) trick. Um, Yeah, you can play anything. It's like you gotta, you know. I think if you're a good DJ, you can get people to get on the train and then they're willing to ride that train with you wherever you're going to take them. But uh, yeah. you have to be a confident DJ. Yeah. And you can hear, I feel like being a confident DJ is something that's intangible. You, you, when you hear it, when a DJ has it, it's like, you, you can't really figure out what exactly you're hearing, but there's like a feeling that this person knows what they're fucking doing and they're taking you somewhere intentionally.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a hundred percent. I think that's, that's what makes a professional dj to me is somebody who can wade through all of the you know having the same tracks having you know, everyone can, you know, beat match these days, all the stuff that you used to have to really work for, but then still have to come up with something and hold an audience and be, not be afraid to take chances and play some things that may be out of the box. And from sure. what people expect, I mean, I think that's the fun of being a DJ. When you stop doing that, then it just becomes, a day, you, deja, you might as well be delivering mail.
1: Yeah, you, know? you need to, what you need to do is you need to learn how to be a clever selector and a clever <laughs> DJ. That, there's a, a, a,
0: clever selector! There's like, your DMC. Yeah,
1: yeah it, exactly. It, yeah, being a clever DJ and coming up with like really interesting, putting tracks together in a really interesting way is exciting. That, that to me, though, I always describe, i probably told this like being a DJ sh- and DJing. But like a proper a, What a lot of DJs do now or DJs do now is they play a bunch of tracks in a row and they do really quick mixes. And I compare that to, like, as a chef, you're presenting, like, separate ingredients one by one. It's like, this is a nice carrot. This is a nice piece of meat. This is a piece of chicken. A true DJ does the composed dish. They they put food together in a way that complements each other. And the composed dish is tastier than individual ingredients. And that's just the way it is. So... Too many DJs now, these kids are like, oh, it's so dope. And it's like, I go hear this person play, and it's like, yeah, the fucking guy played 100 tracks in a row using Sync or Ableton or whatever. And it's like, it's cool. It's impressive he was able to play so many tracks together back to back. But I'd rather hear, hear someone mix two, three records, do the blends. The blends is what makes DJing exciting. Yeah. The blends is, when you can take two cool tracks, and then you put them together, and they sound better than they, they do separate, that's...
0: That's, that's the, the that's, that's the Carl Cox. I mean the music that Carl Cox plays is so minimal. You know that like if you played a, a track separately some of the stuff is so boring. You're like, I don't care. you want to listen to that. And th- and this guy is playing on four decks back in the day with vinyl making new music as you're going and you're like, okay, that's why he's great. That's why that's why he's the Carl Cox, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like,
1: when, when he's up there, I always say this as well. He is imposing his will. On the DJ, hundred percent. Like, he is at the controls. Like some people have seen DJ, and it's like there's just a timidness. There's a timidity to them, and they're like, you know, like Ugh. like he's up there, like hands on the fucking equipment, and he is dominating the equipment, and he's killing it. I mean, yeah. you can feel the fucking energy coming out of it. And I said it's an intangible energy that you feel, not even musically. You just feel that energy that he's exuding. That's fucking DJing. And that's what a, DJ should aspire to do.
0: A lot of guys that I know who had really heavy touring schedules coming up for this year. I mean, you know, you're booked six months in advance these days you know, to whatever. And then everything got canceled, you know, had this like month or two of, oh my God, well, A, the financial aspect of that, which sure. whatever. Hope You know, for people who are, made some big purchases and weren't ready for it, it's whatever. But um, just the mental... Acuity it takes to be prepared to be out playing that many gigs and be you know Like you really have to live into it and then a lot of guys I talked to would be like, you know I was kind of devastated not because I'm losing this money because that was sort of like I was there to like perform and do I'm ready. I've been but training. Congrats. I'm ready to go congrats. I'm in fighting shape and like and then all of a sudden, you know the the car gets a flat on the way to the gig but now they've rediscovered like in streaming. They're really finding their way and also Allowing themselves to make mistakes doing things that they wouldn't have done on the road on a streaming platform where it's semi-permanent sometimes and being like you know what I don't care if I make a mistake. I'm ba- I love doing this and again I found the love of DJing again not the same love that you know performing but like when the early days before you have a career it's just DJing for you in your room or you and your girlfriend or you and your friends and then that gets bigger into the small club right. So in a lot of ways, it's been cathartic for some of the guys that I know who have these massive touring schedules and now are reinventing themselves through streaming. Have you touched on the streaming at all? Or what do you think of that that, that idea? So I
1: had a really long talk with Z Trip on the phone the other day because he did a couple um, Insomniac sh- uh, shows where they were mm-hmm. like, you know, live-streamed or whatever. And he basically the cool thing about what he does is he's a really technical DJ. And so people were able to watch what he was doing and really get that close up kind of like an observation of the DJ, not kind of looking at him from the crowd, but seeing what he's doing. And a lot of people came away blown away by what he did and discovered him, so to speak. And he has been riding this kind of wave of like, you know, enthusiasm from those sets. And we had this long talk and he was just like, he was just like, you know, just breathless talking about like how it's reinvigorated him and he feels it's going to be huge for him. And I'm sure it will be that I needed to get on board with it. (laughs) And my thing is, it's like, I don't have a setup here where I live. I I have turntables and storage. I don't, I don't have a setup to stream and I, incredibly miss DJing and I need to figure out what I don't know what to do I thought about reaching out on social media but it sounds fucking pathetic I'd be like hey anyone in New York have a setup that I could use um you know, can I rent you can I rent your setup to to play because I would love to take advantage of that because what do you, again, what that, do you need that would, that would one second that would behoove me because then because I feel like I'm a technical DJ but a lot of people don't see what I do ever. And like the people at my shows when I used to play where they could see me would always be like, oh my god, that was sick. Because it's like they could actually see that I'm actually fucking doing something. So what do I need? I need, ideally I would like three CDJs and a mixer um, that can handle a USB drive. That would be helpful. Do you have that?
0: <laughs> I- I'm in Sag Harbor. I only have two. Oh. But, yeah. um, so I can't just come and drop them off at your place. Except... um i don't know i don't see why that can't be put together for you I wonder if someone's like renting a space or well here's the thing you should I mean you should talk to eric i don't know if you are you talk because I know that they're putting together places where guys can do their streaming sets because they need they need a place to do sort of like staging and all that, and he was actually looking oh. into venues like bars and stuff that can't be open that they can set up a thing and stream out of them. I had talked to him about that i had actually talked to him about um he wanted to do something in Philly, and I was like, call... What's his name? Oh, he's doing real estate too, but... My like, old roommate, me. Nigel. It's Nigel, roommate. exactly. I didn't I, know he Nigel was your Richard. roommate. It's, I was like, call I, Nigel Wickhards. He's Philly. like the real estate guy in Philly now, and he'll be able to find a venue. I wonder if he ever did. I should uh, call Eric and find I, out. But... I still you should Eric. Put, dude, put that him. on social media, because I will literally call... You, you know the guys from Pioneer? No, I'll just call the guys from Pioneer and be like, "Look, can you sort this out for him? He wants to stream? I mean <laughs> I, I used to know the Rev
1: Carl Dedkin, but he left a long time ago. I
0: know Carl was my was my guy it's It's Lars now i I can I'll hook you up with Lars. We don't need to talk about this now. I'll hook you up with them, but you should you should just put this out there. Do you have a million fans, dude? People will like each give you a deck yeah. and throw you a mixer, and then you can set to, up I mean, a streaming I would love platform. To do it.
1: I'd love to do it because honestly, I haven't, I've not gone this long without DJing since I started and it sucks because my life is now pretty much outside of parenting has become pretty much when I have work time is full-time graphic design. I, I am the, design director of this clothing company called death saves, but I also been taking on other jobs for some friends of mine. Um, so I spent a lot of my free time, uh, doing that. And like, I haven't really gone through my promos. I have so I have like hundreds of emails of digital promos and I feel <laughs> I, every day, every day I'll have this sound of, like, I feel like, man, I feel so disconnected from music because I've kind of like, you know, my, my I've been a DJ mentally, emotionally for fucking so long. It feels really weird to feel detached from that because I've kind of described myself as that. So I am desperate to mm-hmm. DJ something again. I mean, it's fucked up because like a week before all this shit happened, where we shut down, I had had a meeting with this guy. I was going to move my house music monthly to this spot in Bushwick. We had this meeting and we're good to go. We had the first aid set up and I was getting ready to announce it. And it was just like the hammer came down and I was like, fuck. So, Yeah. I, maybe I will put it out there. Every day I'm like I should I should just go online and be like, hey, does anyone in New York have a setup that I can get on? But well, I here's the other thing it.
0: too. I I know that you and I. All the crazy looping whatever blah, blah 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 but if you don't use mm-hmm. that stuff then they're perfectly fine for what you want you just get yourself like a 900 mixer and you're good to go I mean I I'd like to use my cue points because it allows me Yeah, to yeah of, cor- of course but they have all that
1: oh as long as that has cue points I'm good to go
0: let's take this conversation offline because I didn't Google. have any I, I, I totally want to help you out with this I mean if I can but listen dude I would just put this on social media because you know You'd be surprised what people have, you know, <laughs> they've got a pair of decks they thought they were going to become DJs, and then they're like, you know what, I don't have time for this, I gotta sell them, or I could give them to my idol, who I've been listening to for 10 fucking years, to do more sets that I can listen to, and that's probably you. So, you know, we'll there's, there's a that. lot of people out there who, who, who are willing to help out. I mean,
1: I got to a point, one point, where I thought about maybe flying somewhere, which is... Probably not a great idea now, but flying somewhere to like use one of my friend's setups in another city, if need be, just to kind of get a set out there. Because like Andy C just did his his like ninety minute live stream recently, and it was I was I watched it and it was just kind of like I wish I had something like that. I just don't want to do something where it, it, it I, I just want to do something. I just don't want to do something that looks like super like unprofessional looking, but as long as it looks decent, I just want to have the opportunity to
0: see. All right. DJ I'm going to, I'm going to share something. Look, look behind me. Do you see this black, these black curtains that I have hung up in this room that I'm in? That's my, that's yes. my DJ set. This right here is my set. Like it's, it's a weird angle, but that's Christmas lights. Those Christmas lights when you turn them on with all the different patterns when it's dark in here. And, you know, you do whatever looks mad professional. It doesn't, it's not, you know what it's like when you. I'm here. That was weird. I lost you for a second. Yeah, man. But there's and there's also other versions of it. There's not only like the CDJs. There's the the all-in-one versions that are cheaper too. If you want to go that direction, but
1: yeah, yeah. If I could buy a three all-in-one, I'd be good with it. I I could play on two decks. It's like, but it's just I feel I feel so limiting to do it. I can do it. I can finagle it to make it sound like more interesting than it would be. But it's two decks are just so limiting. It sounds so.
0: I didn't even know about your house moniker I'm kind of excited about that and you were going to have an event that's good to know man that's like you know when when what are you thinking about how it's going to well, be I mean, when people start I was start saying, for a while how do you think it's going to be when people start getting back into in clubs house. it's going to be yeah are you losing are you getting I, I don't know if it's my internet your internet I can't tell
1: I don't know I'm, a, I'm not on Wi-Fi. I'm on my my phone which is pretty good but
0: yeah, it's fine here. I can hear you it's fine. Your Wi-Fi. I don't know. You look. You look. Um, you look. What's it gonna be like?
1: Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> you look chunky on my end.
0: Oh yeah. Consolated.
1: Yeah. I can log out and try to log back in. Might no, just difference. keep
0: just keep talking. I think it's fine.
1: Okay. To answer your question, what's it gonna be like? Um. I don't know. I have no idea. I know that I've been getting some job offers for some gigs coming up like sooner than later, and this consensus amongst a lot of my peers is that to take a gig now would be a bad look um, for multiple reasons um, and very irresponsible. So I don't even know when the gigs are actually going to come back in a way. Because I feel like the first people that are going to start taking gigs again are going to get shit on by a bunch of other people for doing it. Cause there's people out there that think that you probably need a vaccine before you can open up clubs again. So I'm curious as how it's going to end up playing out and who's going to be the first to start taking gigs. Can you hear Yeah,
0: me? I can, you know, it's, I was supposed to have disco Donnie on here <clears throat> on one of these shows. And I really wanted to talk to him about that. You know, obviously him being such a, a mainstay in the promotion scene. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing a live gig now. At all. You know, I'm we're pretty quarantined yeah. out here. 3,000. Mm-hmm. That's even fathomable, you know? I don't
1: know. Oh, uh, I, I hear you. I mean, I don't, that sounds fucking, I mean, on one hand it sounds amazing if it was, you know, six months ago, but on the other hand, now it sounds scary. <laughs>
0: Yeah, irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I I the sweaty rooms with three thousand. I do. Listen, don't get me wrong. I, I, I just can't. My mind hasn't wrapped around how this is going to work. Like, I, how I know promoters are working on doing live events, and I, I know, know that there's work. places where they're doing live events, but I just can't. I can't see it at this point. I can't see how until there's a vaccine. Until. I mean, right now America's a mess. Things are, you know, the, the virus is just rock skyrocketing, and all the all the places that don't believe there's an actual virus. So, I'm not sure. Oh, I know. How are they going to do? Uh, you know.
1: Yeah, I was I was having a conversation. I'm in a group chat with some homies, with uh, my friends Mayhem and Dowink, and my friend Mark the Beast. We're we're talking about this the other night. I was just curious to see where their heads were at with this whole situation. And the consensus was like, you know, they would be willing like someone would be willing to DJ somewhere where the case were like only five to 10 cases a day in that city. Then that would be an acceptable level for them to be willing to take a gig. Um, But who knows? I mean, who fucking knows? It's just like such a big question mark, all this shit. I mean, this virus, like the flu, is probably going to be with us for a long time. Um, I mean, even after the vaccine gets here, it's just going to kind of stay in our population. So who knows? It might get to be where people are just like, fuck it.
0: Well, one thing I started thinking about is the possibility is sort of like, think about what happened when um, you know, television of ways where we had there was like broadcast television only then cable TV came in and then streaming TV came in and then a lot of nightlife was shifting around because of the fact that people could stay home and Netflix and chill and do that all their stuff at home in a much more comfortable environment I wonder if if this thing stays around long enough that we'll start getting into people for doing things like watching you know, or having concerts or, or thing, or stuff like that. Um, because at some point, people want to dance. People want to be that, connected. That, that to me sounds... It sounds terrible. That but sounds I'm
1: just, incredibly shitty to me.
0: I know. I'm with if, you on that. Yeah, I mean...
1: I mean, any port in the storm, I guess, but that just sounds so incredibly shitty. Shitty. I That makes me sad to even think about it. I mean, I get it. That just makes me sad to think about it. The whole point—I mean, not the whole point—but at least half the reason for going out is for the personal, the personal interaction. You know, being in the crowd, being around that energy—it's like I see people like watching like the Insomniac shows. There's like people post videos are like, "I'm watching the Insomniac show. I'm watching this DJ from my living room," and it's like the plasma TV on the wall, and the one person's got a little bit—they got a little bit of club lighting in their living room—and I'm just like, that is.
0: That just looks bad. The right? one the one it just looks I, sad I've watched a bunch of bad, sad. Mm. Bet the best ones that I've seen, my boy Vito Fun, mm-hmm. who's a Pines DJ, he does this, I think it's a Saturday night party, where the the party is not about him and the other DJs DJing. They do like a like a five or a a thousand person a five hundred person Zoom chat and there's somebody Who is taking people dance and do all that stuff. And then what you're seeing is all the people all over the world dancing and doing stuff to him DJing. And so you're not watching the boring DJ, you're watching other people dance and do their thing in their city. And that's been pretty fun for me to, I I tuned into one of those you know, like everybody's dancing, they're all participating because the camera could be on you at any moment. And it kept the, it kept the vibe up pretty high, which I liked a lot. It was, it was like, sort of like, yeah, hey, the DJ's that, in the booth and this is everyone partying. That was kind of cool.
1: That sounds more interesting. Definitely less sad. <laughs> <laughs> it it was, it was much I less. see that. I mean-
0: I lost you. Hi. Hi. All right. We've got like five minutes left before it kicks us off anyway. So let me ask you a couple of questions that I ask during all of these anyway. All right. And don't think too much. Just answer them. Sure. Faith or science. Okay. Science. Rave or festival? Rave. Ocean, lake, or desert? Ocean, lake. Ocean and lake, okay. Uh, big room or small Ocean room? Lake. Small room. What's your superpower? Intelligence. <laughs> How would you incorrectly describe your job? <laughs> what DJing because I
1: have I'm a graphic designer now as well um how would I incorrectly describe my job I'm not sure how to answer that question
0: what animal should survive if only one can survive dogs I was gonna say cat or dog but you got that one uh if not music then what I guess you answered that before graphic design cooking or cooking yeah. Um, what's your favorite meal?
1: Uh, corn dogs. <laughs> Hunter- my friend, anyone that's close to me knows that I'm obsessed with corn dogs. Hunter or gatherer? I mean, my son's name Hunter, but I am a
0: gatherer. What's the last gift you gave someone? <sighs>
1: what is the last gift I gave someone? Um, I bought my son some vintage Buddy L plastic toys on eBay. Nice.
0: Um, do you have a favorite deli being a New Yorker?
1: I like, uh, a deli that had two locations in here called Hana. One's in Bushwick, one's in in Bushwick, one's in Williamsburg. Um,
0: uh, what's your favorite metal band? Uh, uh, the old, uh, uh, the haunted
1: has some of my favorite albums.
0: Uh, and the, my favorite question is what? I said what? Genre, what genre are the Talking Heads?
1: What genre are the Talking Heads? <laughs> I eighty.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Electropop? Vintage alternative electropop? It's my favorite because nobody has nobody can can categorize the talking heads. I mean my, my knowledge of the talking
1: heads is somewhat limited. I mean I have a song in my head, I can't even tell you the name of it, but I don't I'm not a huge talking heads fan. That's all right. Maybe if I was, I would have more of a cohesive response for you, man. This
0: was super fun. I'll circle back with you about the pioneer stuff. I won't. I won't uh, forget about that. And have an amazing weekend. I was kind of disappointed right. that your son didn't wake up at the end so I could get to see him. Maybe another time. But oh, I wasn't because I know, I, I know, I know. I'm him. just saying, you know, other bad time. other people's children. It's not, you know, my. <laughs> it was great catching up with you, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. Same man.
1: Thanks to everyone that said hello and watched this. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: Cheers.